Hi, this is Jeff Richards, Columbus, Ohio. You're listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how you doing? We have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? He ate two feet before we nursed. Oh, listen, Laverne, you shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome aboard. Folks, you found the Barbecue Central show. Yeah, you did it. It's a show that talks about barbecue and grilling stuff. It's the ESPN of the live fire cooking and grilling industry. Did that Greenberg and Beetle and Jalen Rose show on ESPN get tanked? I thought I just read a story before the show started. Did they kick Beetle off? She's good to look at. I like her. Anyway, email John Dawson. Four words is the subject line. Pat LaFrida, pure gold. I'd love to hear his thoughts on boutique meats and branding like Certified Angus, which, fun fact, by the way, Certified Angus beef located right here in Wooster, Ohio, boy. Thank you, John. Uh, also from John Dawson, subject line, under cookage, Remps, I bet I'm a couple steps behind you, but I bet Pat LaFrieda can provide some great insight on international steak under cookage. That was something I didn't get to. If you could see my outline of what I thought I was going to get to and what I got to, you might wonder if we ever did the interview, if you're just going to go ahead and check out the outline that I did. <laughs> well, the good news is I'm pretty much set up for the next few interviews. So uh, Pat broke down a lot of stuff, went a lot deeper than I thought he was even going to bother to go. So uh, from an informational standpoint, absolutely great. From I want to get through my outline and F everybody else, it's not great. Get that freak stuff out of here. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I love getting, so it's great to see somebody where they are in his current station of success. I mean, Freedom Meats is far and away the pinnacle of that portion of the industry. I mean, you heard of 24 hours a day, six days a week. I mean, how much meat are they processing? Servicing New York City, but not only that, it's not just going into the uh, distributing side now to restaurants and the food biz, but it is retail. So you and me, my Aunt Betty, we can all get Pat LaFrieda meats just like you're going to get at the steakhouses. Oh, by the way, if you go on to LaFrieda.com, you go into the dry aging room and you can get varying cuts. You can get an inch, inch and a quarter. I think it goes up to two inches. Might have to buy a pair or four at a time. Uh, certainly an inch and a half ribeye, 70 days. If you get two or four, I mean, you're probably going to be in that $300 range. I mean, I'm sure. But it's an experience, right? I mean, who doesn't like dry aging? And as we've all learned through the dry aging courses that we've taken through 2018, 30-day dry age is where you get it for tenderness and peak taste, but once you start stretching through into past day 30, like 40 and 50 and 60 and 70, that's when, as I've called it, the funk factor starts to go in. So if as you're reading Lafrida's website, uh, he strongly cautions, hey, hey, if you ain't down or you don't know what a 50 or 70-day age uh, dry age steak tastes like, or might taste like, we recommend you start a little less aged and then work your way up to it. If you're somebody that doesn't 
like blue cheese, if you can't get down on that or uh, the funkiness and earthiness, it's almost like wine to a certain degree. Some wines you eat, they're like that new age, fruit forward, blast of fruit in your face. A lot of snobs hated on that. You know, when I was drinking, I was a, an appreciator of everything. I liked new age. I liked high alcohol. I liked the more uh, old standby or classics, big tannin. But whatever your palate is, you, but so I would totally agree. I had a 40 day or maybe it was a 50 day dry aged steak when I was down in Columbus. And that did have an approachable funk factor. Was it over the top? No. Was it there? Every single bite it was there. And it was delicious for me. So I'm ready to make that jump to 70 days. So I, I would I would do it. I would do it. Lafrida Meat or uh, Lafrida.com. Lafrida Meat Purveyors and follow Pat at PatLafrida.com. More from him to come for sure. For sure. Still to come on this show, the Embedded Correspondence segment in 10 minutes time. Now, let me tell you something. I made mention of it to Pat just this last segment. I have had it. I will not take it anymore. Andrew, you are not the That's right. I will not take any more. The hating on the Bubba Burgers. Forget it. Don't bring it to me. I Instagram storied my dinner cook today. Okay? Okay. Showed you the grill. Showed you the new patio setup. Broke out Quattro. Bubba Burgers. Brown Box. Didn't go Angus this time. Brown Box. Two for me. Double Chi. One for middle. One for youngest daughter. No Chi. Toasted buns all the way around. Here's the post or the direct message that I get back from an Instagram follower. No names, please. And I quote, seriously? Come on, Greg. The 10th circle of hell is for Bubba Burgers too. (laughs) Why? Here's what I have to say. Why does it have to be a 10th circle of hell avenue? I mean, is it not enough that I'm already going to the 10th circle of hell because every once in a while I like a well-placed boiled hot dog in a non-toasted bun or steamed for that matter with a lot of ketchup on the top. I like that. You know what else I like? I like double chi Bubba burgers. I like them with the bacon and cheese mixed in them. I don't like onions, so I don't like that. I like the Angus, and I like the original. So if you're telling me, seriously, Bubba Burgers, what do you have against Bubba Burgers? Why do you hate Bubba Burgers so much? What have they ever done to you except be affordable and delicious and consistent each and every time? I know what I am getting with a Bubba Burger. I know how to cook them. I know how to make them juicy and succulent. Did I mention double cheese? Yeah. I don't... Believe me, Instagram person that direct messaged me. I was of the same ilk before I had my first Bubba Burger. I don't know when I had it. I don't know if I bought them or if I cooked them somewhere else, whatever. But the bottom line is I had one. And it changed my life forever. So now if I'm in a pinch or I want a quick dinner, I can always keep them in the freezer. They turn over pretty quick because my oldest, the meat eater of the family, aside from me, loves Bubba Burgers as well. Why can't I like them? Why do I have to continue to go to tenths circles of hells because of what I like? I trust my palate. Trust your palate. But I'm not going to tell you if you eat cat liver that you're wrong. Oh, Palouse. You're going to the 13th circle of hell, bastard. 
eat your cat liver or deer liver or whatever it is you people eat. I like Bubba Burger and I don't care. Unfollow me. In fact, sir, you're banned. Hope you liked reading my feed because after the show, you're banned. Guess who's going to the first circle of your band hell? You. You're banned. And if you come at me again with that nonsense, I'm going to ban you from the show. Book it. If I could only go to my call screener and like get his like, yeah. But I can't. Maybe I can. Wait, can I? No, can't. Damn it. Wait, yes. Yeah. Yeah, you tell him. You tell him. That's right, I'm on the phone. You tell him. That was horrible. All right. Embedded correspondence segment coming up out of the break. I'm going to read behind, too, by the way. We'll catch up. Don't worry about it. Here's what you should do in the meantime. Get on over to Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue. Well-known for the championship rubs and seasonings. Popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition circuit. And in the backyard, I use them all the time, Big Papa Smokers offers 13 perfectly balanced flavors to transform ordinary meals into extraordinary Whether you're cooking to impress the judges or grilling for your family, Big Papa Smokers, award-winning rubs and seasonings will not disappoint. Pick up a bottle today at BigPapaSmokers.com. Don't forget about the West Coast offense. That's right, Big Papa Smokers teaming up with Simply Marvelous Barbecue. Do you know all about it? They also sell and own Granny's Barbecue Sauce. If you're looking for a new go-to barbecue sauce that will please everyone, Granny's traditional yet powerful flavors remind us why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. And aside from their premium selection of rubs and sauces, Big Papa Smokers offers the very best pellet, charcoal, and wood cookers available today. Are you looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use? Might I suggest the Mac 2-Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa Smokers is the exclusive Mac dealer, even offers special packages. Nobody else can do it. Not a fan of pellet smokers? Fine. Take a look at the... In fact, Barbecue Pit Dude, not a fan of pellet smokers. All right, Barbecue Pit Dude, take a look at the old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition barbecue trailer. Is that good enough for you? If you're a backyard barbecue enthusiast looking for a durable and versatile grill that will last forever, the M Grill is just what you need. They're built like tanks. Travis McGee, building tanks that cook. Not sure what grill you need? Can't go wrong with anything that's offered on the website. They have something for every kind of backyard cook and budget. Clearly, Big Papa Smokers, the place to go for all things barbecue. Every product featured on their website has been hand-selected to help you barbecue better. Questions? Call them 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop the website BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. Embedded correspondence coming up. Stick around. We'll be right back. The only show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue. A man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue bible. Bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back, everybody. Smoking with Smithfield, committed cooks. Make sure to head to smokingwithsmithfield.com and report your first place prize for your claims of first place. Have you registered to compete in the American Pork Loin Ancillary? Smithfield just increased the prize purse to $6,000. Make sure you sign up for the American Royal site today. Don't forget the Smithfield Classic, which will be in Richmond, Virginia, 
on September 29th to sign up. Reach out to Jesse with Big Papa Smokers. That's Jesse, J-E-S-S-I-E, at BigPapaSmokers.com. All right, here we go. It is the fourth Tuesday of the month, and you know that means the Embedded Correspondence segment is here and fired up. Gents, might I say, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary, Greg! Wow. Well, guys, uh, we've we have made it. Uh, I mean, us four. Well, me and you three have made it together for twelve months straight. How about that? How about? Uh, Doug, do you have any breaking news? Bre- breaking news, other than uh, the barbecue the cake Central that you Show got today. Exclusive oh. news update. Thing that we were gonna say. Oh, oh geez. my god, this guy. Well, look, I don't want to be a ball buster here, Steve. Oh, oh, I but know. I yeah. believe that the actual year anniversary is June twenty seventh of the embedded correspondence segment. So you're a little tardy. However, I will give you that the three Cavalieros and myself do find this to be the 12th month in existence. For us, yes. Yes, for us. Right. Is that what you were going for, Steve? Yeah, yeah, for us. Let me tell you something. So we, yeah. For us. If you follow me on social media, by the way, that's a very patriotic shirt there, Steve. Um, I like it. <laughs> I was delivered through risk, by the way, of uh, whoever sent that cake, that I would be in the work office today. And I was gifted, if you follow me on social media, go to Instagram at BBQ Central Show and see that delicious, and might I say, had to have been 10 inches deep chocolate cake. Wow. Thank you. I mean, unbelievable. It was, and by the way, I'm not a a chocolate cake uh, fan. That was delicious. I might have, uh, I might uh, be turning over a a new leaf of, uh, of chocolate cakeness. Steve, are you a chocolate cake guy? I love it with white icing. I ordered you what I would have eaten. Oh, okay, that's great. Um, and I've been you what? I said I ordered what I would have eaten yes. had I been. All right, uh, David Huff, are you a fan of chocolate cake? Uh, I'm a pie guy, but pie I'll guy. eat any dessert if you can't tell. All right, uh, <laughs> man, what is this? This new <laughs> this new friggin' Skype is really pissing me off. I got to be honest. I can't scroll through the pictures like I could before. Can't do anything. I can't get involved with anybody. The hell just happened with you? God, freaking hate it. Anyway, all right, guys. So we got a bunch of stuff to cover. Let me scroll down here to my notes. And since it is the year anniversary of this form of the embedded correspondence segment, even though most, I think. All of us were still around from the beginning, but does anybody, and we'll start with Steve, of course, does anybody have any favorite moments of the Barbecue Central Show's embedded correspondence segment as we look over the last 12 and 14 months? My favorite my favorite part yeah. was after you did your NBBQA rant, and you went to the <laughs> esteemed embedded correspondence and you let off with david yes. and david dished your performance at the nbbqa <laughs> and then and then he's talking to you and you go david tap your mic and we've heard nothing yeah and he, then you said you you wait a minute you said wait a goddamn minute you just dished me I'm not the one talking into a dead mic. And David throws the mic to the side. <laughs> Fake it till you make it, That's Steve. Right. What's I the almost, problem? I almost fell off. Yeah, that was a classic moment. Uh, David, as you look back over the last 12, 14 months, are there any points of the embedded correspondence segment that stick out to you? Stick out? I mean, look at Steve's shirt right now. He <laughs> never fails to impress uh, his stylist must be getting paid a tremendous amount of money. I just wish I could be like that. I, I mean, I have this wonderful Barbecue Central shirt t-shirt on instead. So, I mean, other than that, 
it's been good times for the last 12 months. I've learned a lot and probably taught a little less. Uh, Doug, your recap of the last 12, 14 months, some highlights for you. I, I agree with uh, Steve in terms of uh, David and the and the microphone. That was fantastic. For myself, it'd have to be the hot dogs. For Steve, it would have to be the Hall of Fame sermon mm-hmm. that he gave to us yeah. with regard to Charlie yes. and being in the Hall of Fame, and which, by the way, he was right on that. Yeah. And uh, Greg, I think you, for you, my favorite moment was when you said, who was making all the GD noise one time <laughs> at the beginning of, of one of our segments yeah <laughs> well i think you know uh, i'm, I'm going to go with you doug as far as segments that really stand out to me and it i mean it seems a little uh disingenuous that the most recent segment happens to be my favorite because it always see it here's the the unique thing that i find about the embedded correspondence segment the very first one we had i thought hey there's something here I wasn't bowled over with it. There were some issues that we were having. You know, there were, maybe there were too many spoons in the cake batter or what have you. But I thought, by and large, there there was something workable and pliable that we might be able to mold into something. And then we tried it again next month. We had a few less people around. We had a few more topics. We started getting together and, and sharing a document around so we could all have a quick peek. Not know what everybody else is talking about, but at least have an idea so we could form our own rebuttals and opinions. And the second month, I knew right then and there, good collection of guys. Each one is individualistic. They are not all just singular competition guys or not competition guys. Or in, There are three independent individuals, three independent thinkers, and most importantly, from a show perspective, not afraid not intimidated to jump in on anybody and say, you're wrong. I don't agree with that, and here's why, and we go back and forth. (laughs) And the biggest successful part of this whole thing is everybody gets it, right? Nobody is hanging up the phone or hanging up the Skype line at the end of the fourth Tuesday of the month thinking that their fanny hurts or they got picked on the most (laughs) or anything like that. Everybody gets where the entertainment is supposed to be, everybody is bringing a great amount of information or opinion, and nobody's afraid to give it and then take it, which for this segment is absolutely key. So <laughs> I knew the second the second month that we definitely had something that was going to be able to reoccur, and I can tell from the emails and from all the direct messages that I get that this is one of the more popular segments that happens. Uh, but uh, getting back to the answer here, that hot dog... Because, you know, it, it did go back a week before getting chastised by a barbecue <laughs> Hall of Famer and Stephen Reichlin saying that I was going to be in hell, which at that point I thought he said tense, like tightened up, like tense circle of hell. And I'd never heard that before. And I'd never heard of tenth circle of hell either, by the way. So I Googled that, figured out what he was saying. And then Doug weighing in saying that he wouldn't let hot dog skin touch his grill grates, not even for kids. <laughs> and the look on no. Doug's face when I was rebutting him and saying, how are you kidding me? Doug hates kids. And he's looking around his room like, is everybody else hearing how crazy this guy is? I mean, it was just a, it was just a a beautiful piece of a visual and and auditory archive that will go down in the, in the histories of the barbecue central show, the likes of no other. So uh, that's kind of what I remember as well. But uh, you know, gentlemen, truly thank you uh, from uh, my part here. I got to, Count on three people to show up each and every month. You show up, you're prepared, and you're ready to do it. And, uh, I, I mean, from a host perspective, I can't ask any more than that. So I applaud each and every one of you. Thanks for doing it. Thank, now, you know, thanks, Greg. Greg. The break, it's the a pleasure. We introduced nitrogen in tires. Yeah, I mean. And it's that, been that downhill was ever since. The air out of the room. We that, said <laughs> we can talk about other things, food and barbecue. Yeah. yeah. Talk about nitrogen and tires. Yeah. I mean, I think that Steve's first appearance on my show ever was talking about how all these yahoos are going to these barbecue competitions and blowing tires and bearings. Like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. Isn't anybody doing any maintenance on these things? Or you just put them up for dry storage in the winter and just roll them right out when competition season hopes to cross his fingers and hopes you're going to make it 5,000 miles across the country without injury. Steve laid it down. That's right. It was. That's right. Was a great that was a that was a classic segment too. John, if you're listening, that should be that should be a best of segment, I think. That was a best of for sure. 
All right. So and, and what folks don't what folks don't know the best shows are every morning about six thirty quarter to seven. <laughs> yeah, oh, too damn early. The, the when, show when we, oh, it is it's yep. too early. <laughs> the best <laughs> show you. is Thank the show you. that you never hear or you never see. That's right. Um, so let's go ahead and quickly go through what we have been calling the. Uh, I, I'm walking it back a little bit, but the theory that there is a purposeful undercooking of steak across this country of ours. This is now the end of the second month. We have done an incredible amount of due diligence to be able to form some type of conclusions on this. So uh, let me go quickly back around the table, and uh, if you've done any more insight and or testing, uh, tell me where you went, what you ordered, and where the temps came in, and then I think we can uh, go around the table and get some final thoughts here. Doug, let's start with you. Okay. I went to uh, Myron Steakhouse, which is a nice uh, steakhouse here in San Antonio. Um, my wife ordered a bone-in ribeye at uh, a mere 50 like $3. I ordered a um, uh, just a regular ribeye, and she ordered it one, uh, 140 uh, and I ordered mine at 135 just to kind of see. They both came out. Um, the mine came in at 135 just perfect wow. but it was uh and then um uh, hers came out at 137 and then uh two or three minutes later hers was at 140 which was perfect for what she had ordered but then two or three minutes later mine was at 143 no and way. One, yeah and one of the things uh that uh that they specialize in is like ruth chris uh where david went the week before or the month before, they serve it on a 350-degree plate. Mm. So um, and it was overcooked. Um, so in, in summary, I think that, number one, you can't go by color. Meathead told us that, right? Yep. And it all depends on the lighting. So, you know, in the menu, if it says that, you know, rare is red and, you know, medium rare is pink and, and all that BS, it's, it is BS. Uh, number, uh, number two... Um, the hot plate thing, I think if I go to a restaurant, I want to make sure that they don't serve it on a hot plate um, because my the thickness of my steak and the reason it went up, um, what, uh, eight, uh, nine degrees, yeah. is because the thickness of my steak was all, about an inch and a quarter. The thickness of her ri uh, bone-in ribeye was about two inches, hmm. and so we could handle the the hot plate. So I, I, I actually I think that the thickness, one of the main questions we need to ask is how thick are the steaks? You know, when we when we buy them in the store, I always want an inch and three eighths or an inch and a half. So I think that's a, a, an important thing to ask. No hot plate, and I think uh, the grade of the the meat matters because when I went to it wasn't Beef Brady's day, Steve, but uh, it was Dante's in Great Fall. They cooked it perfectly. This was another test I did, but it was tough as nails. I'm out. Do you do you qual do you quantify that up to the to the quality of the meat then, Doug? Because it was tough, yeah, cooked yeah, well, but just yeah, bad was, meat. Yeah, it was cooked perfect, you know, perfectly, um, just like their menu said that they they char broil them perfectly, and it was uh, perfect at one thirty five, and but it was tough as nails. All right, uh, Steve, go ahead. Uh, I went to uh, I did a, I did a David. I went to Ruth Chris, and I and I told the girl what I was going to do. I took my thermopin, and uh, I ordered a. Um, um, oh God, what's it called? Anyway, my wife ordered Goodbye. a filet and I don't know. I was, uh, um, Porterhouse, T-Bone, filet, no, New York no. Strip, hang up, yeah, New York Strip. And I said, I wanted mine at 130 and I wanted, and Barbara wanted hers at 140. Hmm. And, uh, what was weird, they, they, they brought out the uh, bread and the butter and I tempted everything. The bread was like 135, the butter was 125, and I'm, I'm just using my, my thermometer. And uh, they brought out the steak, and my steak on that on that super hot plate was eighty seven degrees, and my what? wife's steak was sixty three degrees. I'm not kidding, I'm not kidding. And, and we, we cut I into these things. We, we they we cut into these things, and you know it, it was purple. It was copper and that purple copper uh, color that they were they were they weren't even you know rare. They were where they were almost raw, and so we let them sit on the uh, plates for a while and kind of. Looked at each other like this is weird, and uh, the um, you know the steaks weren't as hot as the bread and the butter, and uh, they never really did. They never really came up to you know one thirty and one forty. 
Uh, we ate them, and, and it was, you know they were just okay. There's nothing. They 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 weren't anything to write home about. And um, <laughs> the warmest the warmest thing came out was the bread pudding at the end. It's 140 something. Um, so are, <laughs> so are, you, know, are you a figure? Are you a fan of hot plates? I mean, Doug, obviously not a, a uh, fan of hot plates. I'm not either. But I mean, you care? Hey, you know, hey, really, I'm gonna say this. I had a hundred dollar gift certificate somebody gave me. I don't even know. They gave it to me like two years ago. I have I have a. And this is no joke. I have a philosophical uh, opinion about paying that much for food. I really do, and uh, I and you know if I hadn't had that gift card, I wouldn't have gone. And uh, I, I won't I won't go back. I mean, it's it's you know I'm watching a bunch of uh, young kids, uh, you know, try to treat you something special. I, I'm just not into that. And the and the steak, it wasn't anything that I couldn't have gotten um, a better cut over at the Cross Street, Joe Alexander's. Uh, David, what about you? Okay, so I did something a little different. After talking to the uh, other correspondents and finding out what they've seen, um, Steve and I both went to Roost Chris, and if I believe every other steakhouse that we've reported on has cooked their steaks to or above um, the temperature we asked for, completely dispelling, Greg, the rumor that you had heard, Mm -hmm. except for Roost Chris. And so at their suggestion, I performed a test earlier um, today, actually. I went to Walmart, just got a regular choice ribeye, uh, two of them, both about 1.3 pounds apiece and both exactly 1.4 inches thick. So essentially identical steaks. Um, I cooked them on a grill, a gas grill. Um, There wasn't anything that I couldn't have gotten. Oh, sorry. Cooked them on a gas grill um, at about 600 degrees. Um, the temperature when I wanted to see what would happen if you serve them on a 500 degree platter like mm-hmm. Ruth's Chris. That was the purpose of this test. Now, I don't have um, a ceramic plate. I called my ceramic um, plate, actually the company, and asked them how hot I could put them in the oven. They said 300 degrees, <laughs> so I chose a cast iron skillet, but it should have about the same heat retention, and I heated it up in my oven to exactly 500 degrees. And I pulled both steaks off the grill, steak A, was 125.3. Steak B was 126.4. So pretty close coming off of the grill. I then put steak A on just my cutting board and let it rest. And I put steak B on my 500 degree skillet. I then tempt them two minutes later. Steak A was 126. So it had risen 1.4 degrees. Steak B on the skillet was 130.6. Raised 3.6. I then tested it five minutes in. Steak A had gone down to 124.4, so Mm. minus almost one degree from the original temperature, while steak B on the skillet continued to climb to 136.8. Wow. (laughs) 10.4 degrees more than when I pulled it off. David, when when you put the steak, or when you took it off the grill and then put it in the pan, did it yep. sizzle? Oh, I've sent you a video, Greg. I don't know if we have time for it, but it sizzled. I timed that as well. <laughs> it sizzled to the six-minute mark. From the time I put it on until six minutes later, the pan continued to sizzle. Sorry, And ahead. then I tested again at 10 minutes. And this is the real mind blower because let's say they put at Roost Chris, they pull it off, they put it on the plate, and they let it sit there and wait before they bring it to you. The steak A, which was off and on the cutting board, 123.3. So it had actually lowered two degrees from when I pulled it off the grill at exactly where I wanted, 125.3. Steak B, that had been sitting on the skillet for 10 minutes, 149.3. Almost 23 degrees higher than when I pulled it off the grill. That's the difference of going from a medium rare to a medium well steak mm. just in the rest for 10 minutes. So my hypothesis from as scientific as a test as I could do at my home, um, I think that rumor you may have heard may specifically have been directed at a very popular 
restaurant and steakhouse in Ruth's Chris, who is probably purposely undercooking them <laughs> dramatically to try to account for almost a 20 degree carryover cook on those plates. Wow. I mean, that is absolutely mind boggling. Um, Doug, as you listen to David's experiment, are you shocked at the amount of rise that that skillet steak had? No, no, I'm because uh, I would think that a, a skillet would actually hold its heat a little better than even a, a ceramic or a plate or et cetera. So I, I, I kind of saw that with my with my steak at uh, at Myron's as well. That you know the yeah. the hot the hot platter increased the and I think it's directly related. I mean, mine was a what a fourteen ounce and my wife's was like a twenty two ounce. So you know, obviously, ma- uh, extra mass too. So um, yeah. That, that's exactly why I think that you order your steak now without a hot plate. What do you think about David's experiment there, Steve? That's pretty impressive. Well, it was very impressive, but I, you know, you give a 500 degree skillet and a 120 degree steak. It seems like they're fighting each other. One's trying to rise on the heat that it's touching, and the, but the skillet is losing temperature as soon as it's removed from the from the stove. Yeah. So they're going to meet somewhere, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking that's what Ruth Chris is trying to say they have perfected. We can perfect the steak. We can cook it to X and we know how hot the plate is and we'll put them together. And as one temperature falls, the other temperature rises, they meet somewhere in the middle. And that, but that wasn't the case with ours. I I think it was just sloppily done. I tempt our steak too. I mean, I tempt our plate. It was nowhere near 500 degrees like advertised. It was, it was barely over 200 right when they brought it. Well, so I you know I don't know I don't know what the, they did I mean wrong I mean I didn't complain I don't I don't complain I just don't go back. Bruce Chris you- is you know the, the original tagline was steak hot steak uh, you know your your first bite of steak is going to be uh, okay the last bite of steak is going to be as hot as your first bite of steak like that was the whole mm. marketing gimmick with that five hundred mm. degree plate so they wanted yeah. you to have hot steak all the way through from start to finish. I don't think there was yeah. any more masterminding than that. And in the pictures that I took, Greg, I mean, I had an infrared thermometer, the kind, you know, you point and yeah. you pull the trigger and point. And I know that the skillet was 500 degrees. And what I forgot to do was take a, a temperature of the skillet 10 minutes later to, to Steve's mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. He didn't think it was 200. But I can tell you when I cut the steak, I did not cut into the steak until the 10 minute mark. And when I cut the steak, you could see the difference. The bottom section of the steak had probably a quarter inch more cooked on it than the top section of the steak because it had continued to cook from the bottom up. Right. So no doubt in my mind, if they have a 500 degree plate, you know, even a 400 degree plate, they better account for carryover. If you order a 135 degree steak, they better pull it off of the, of the grill at 120 um, and hope that they've timed it correctly when it gets to the table so they don't send back a bunch of under- overcooked steaks. All right, this is the Embedded Correspondence segment. Guys, uh, stand by for the quick break here, and uh, we'll come back and uh, finish up with... Uh, Continuing to produce you know incredible... What? It's been a day. It's been a day. Um, we will... Con- Where do I even want to go? All right, now hold on a second. Stop that. Stop that. Hold on. We're almost there. Put that there. Here we go. Continuing to. No, that's not it. It's not it. Continuing to produce. Wow. I don't even know what the hell is going on. Eject. Eject. Go here. There we go. Jeez Louise. Happy anniversary. Three Mountain Grills. That's right. Some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. Three different sizes to choose from. If you are somebody that likes to do portable stuff, you like to camp. I mean, I don't like to camp, but if you like to camp, you like to, I mean, uh, college football is ready to rock and roll. So maybe you're going to be into the tailgating stuff, the scene like that. You want something portable, but you want pellet-fired convenience. Green Mountain Grills has got you covered with the uh, Davy Crockett. And if you don't have access to your traditional outlet, 12 volts right from your truck, van, or SUV, all you need to power it. You're not sacrificing a tremendous amount of capacity 
in order to take that portability. Now, want something to go in the backyard? Okay, two different models to choose from. How about the Daniel Boone, which is the middle size, or the Jim Bowie, which is the much bigger version, or the bigger brother? Both pellet-fired, both 20-pound hoppers, both 5-degree increment sets. Uh, both have Wi-Fi capabilities if you get that model. You can get secondary racks to add cooking capacity. Of course, my favorite part of the whole thing is not only are they super reliable, super easy to use, but you can rip the guts right out of them and put in the pizza oven insert so now you can have a high-heat pizza party at your house anytime. You can do 20 different pizzas, 20 different ways, and they all cook in two minutes or less. Here's a quick setup. Set your pit temperature at 350 degrees inside the oven. It's going to be right around 700 degrees. Then adjust from there. I find my sweet spot to be right into that... 320, 330 range. But if you want to cook at 1,000 degrees in the oven, set your pit at 500 degrees and away you go. Things can get squirrely real quick, so pay attention if you're going to cook that hot. But find the temperature that's right for you. They can also supply you with pellets and rubs and sauces and all that other stuff. Visit the website at Green Mountain Grills. That's greenmountaingrills.com. And we are back with the Embedded Correspondence segment. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Hey, this portion brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via the Bluetooth you have Alexa or Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. And we welcome back the embedded correspondence here. All right, guys, so uh, real quick as we go around the horn here, just a, a quick answer, yes or no, uh, is was my oh, you gotta be freaking kidding me <laughs> was my hypothesis proven or disproven David uh, I would say it was disproven with the exception of Bruce Chris <laughs> Doug proven or disproven uh, ditto to what David said alright Steve disheveled we ran out of time in the last segment, but I will quickly go through and say that I visited two steakhouses uh-huh. this past month. That's right. Uh, I, one courtesy of Steve Ray. Thank you, Dante's, for a birthday uh, birthday gift card. Uh, that I would call Dante's a high end restaurant here in Cleveland. Um, very exclusive. Uh, you know, you you gotta you gotta call and make a reservation. It's in a, a retrofitted bank. Uh, quite the ambiance. Oh, and we've come to learn two things about my wife and myself. While perhaps we think we really like expensive stuff, we really don't like fine dining. I'm with Steve. I don't. I don't like being made to feel like I'm more important than somebody else, or I've made the best decision in my life for coming into this restaurant, or getting lectured by some snot-nosed punk telling me uh, why would I cook a steak to this temperature or that temperature, or question why I have a thermometer in my pocket. Shut up, scumbag, and go take my dinner order. Because I could have went right across the street to some other restaurant. Beef O'Brady's. Yeah. Nevertheless, there's Beef O'Brady's. There is a Beef O'Brady's right in Eastlake, by the way. Um, but we went to Dante's, and I got the ribeye steak, and I asked it uh, to be 130 degrees internal temperature. And she's like, uh, I said, do you have thermometers in the back? She said, yes, they're all my students, and they each one of them carry a thermometer. And the the only thing I didn't like about the steak is that it came with stuff on top of it, like tomatoes and some semblance of weirdo salad and a corn 
bread pudding on the top of the steak. I had to get a small excavator to push that shit off so I could actually see the steak, which, by the way, was visibly beautiful. Great grill marks. I mean, I don't care about that, but I mean, from a presentation, I mean, it looked really good. Five minutes after it hit my table, tempted it. I had pictures, 135 degrees, perfectly cooked steak, flavored really well, absolutely knocked it out of the park. Two weeks later, read the steakhouse, widely considered to be one of the prime steakhouses, not only here in the state of Ohio, but yes, in the country. Go read it on those magazines and the airlines. You'll see what I'm talking about. And ordered the prime or the uh, the ribeye as well. Ordered it uh, 130 degrees. Didn't even get questioned. Came right back out. I tempted it five minutes after hitting the table, 134 degrees. So my summation is, I guess it's a rumor. Damn it. But I did a lot of investigation and I read a lot of pieces into kind of counteract your statement about Ruth Chris uh, that, that was never even mentioned in any of the articles that I read that uh, these were all super high-end restaurants more based in New York City than anywhere else like Delmonico's and some other places that I'm not as courageous to say out loud in case I ever get to go there and get free steak from them because I know who I am and they don't but I, I am surprised I have to say that there wasn't as much undercooking overall so for me, it's now a pet thing because of my OCD. I'm actually going to do it every time I go out and order steak, but uh, not to be revealed here anymore. So uh, by and large, my uh, undercooking of steak across America has been proven incorrect, and we move on from there. Case closed. Let's quickly, gents, talk about the KCBS Invitational. I don't know if anybody saw this. But uh, last week, I believe it was, it was unveiled on their website that the KCBS is, uh, you can qualify for the Invitational Barbecue Championship or to qualify. A team must have received a Grand Championship or Reserve Grand Championship award at a KCBS sanctioned contest within the previous calendar year. So if this first one is going to take place in February of next year, you're qualifying right now. Maybe you didn't know that halfway into the year, but guess what? You are qualifying. You didn't know that. You have the chance. Uh, or finish within the top 125 in the overall rankings at the end of the calendar year. Qualified team head cooks must be a KC Best member in good standing, uh, which, by the way, I totally agree with. That's a different conversation. Yeah. All international teams that have won grand champion or reserve grand champions in KCBS sanctioned contests from wherever they're at in their country also eligible to compete. So I saw a lot of uh, positive reaction. I mean, usually when KCBS posts anything, everybody can't wait to take a dump all over it. But I saw a lot of positive stuff. So as uh, guys that are competitors, I'm not. So uh, I do have my own take on it, but... Uh, Doug, you're not necessarily a KCBS guy, but what's your take on the KCBS World Invitational Barbecue Championship? Well, uh, when I went and looked at the press release, I was uh, I thought it was funny that the uh, they they released a red line that had the date in in there in red. <laughs> so I was like, okay, Mike McLeod isn't there to proofread their press releases anymore. But uh, that was just a minor thing. <laughs> so, okay, um, I think it's good that they're taking the top 125 plus you can if you just you know get a grand champion or reserve so that way you don't have to you know cook so many because the the cooker of the year in kcbs is so slanted to you know the people that do it you know 40 weeks a year and just are road warriors and you know we've heard travis clark you know tell all the 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 stories about how what a sacrifice he's made etc so i think it's good you know that someone can cook you know 10 cooks and if they they get a grand champion or a reserve grand champion they also qualify as well so the you know the application portion is um uh, is interesting because you know with the with the normal invitational like at the um uh, the royal the american royal the promoter actually has to send in the information in order for the grand champion to qualify for the invitational at the American Royal. In this case, obviously, since they're doing it post and after the fact, 
that's why you have to apply because they're not keeping track of all that information and the promoter is not pushing that information to them. So the, the, the actual team has to apply. So I, I'm for it. I think it's good. I t- actually, when I was in Montana, I spoke to a couple of teams that were at that event, the KCBS event there, and both of them mentioned the time frame that it's early February and neither one of them were going to be able to haul their rigs all the way down across the country through Montana and, and, and down across Colorado, et cetera, in February. Yep. So they were going to go and perhaps even fly down and try to arrange to get, and, and one team mentioned that they were going to try to get you know someone with the Jambo, et cetera. So they're going to have to go down there. They want to participate, but they're not going to have their own rigs. So I think it's you know it, it's interesting the time of year that they they picked as well as the location since it's really not centric to KCBS but so that that's that's my take on it. Uh, David thoughts? Yeah, first let me jump back real quickly to the open, Greg. I live in Bixby, Oklahoma, which is just outside of Tulsa. And the fact that you said Miami yeah. and live in Ohio, props to you because half the Damn people right. in Oklahoma say it wrong. Damn right. I'll take it. Damn right. So, um, you know, I I don't like what the KCBS is doing, and I'll tell you why. Um <laughs> When I first started getting into this as, as a backyard barbecue guy, it, it felt like a cook-off, and it didn't feel like a sport. I got to rub shoulders with some of the best names in barbecue, and they'd give me some instruction, and, and I you know, I was right there next to them. And things like this continue to separate the guys that are doing this professionally with sponsorships and doing it for a living it's separating it from the backyard guys and the further the gap gets in there the less and less interested the backyard guys are going to be in this event in my opinion now granted it's nice that if these guys are busy doing these kind of contests because hey they've qualified or they've been invited um you know Less competition for me and the ones that I'm in, but I don't care about winning these things. I'm doing it to learn and camaraderie and, you know, to rub shoulders with the the biggest names in, in the sport. You can't do that in golf. You can't do that in other events here. You can be right there alongside these guys. And I just feel like, you know, the more and more prestigious the upper level gets, the more damage it's doing to the sport uh, as a whole. Just my opinion. Steve? I think it's a great idea. I think it's overdue. I think if it was a library book, the fine would be more than a jambo pit. I really do. The problem is it's not an invitation. It's a qualifier. They need to change the name to the KCBS Championship, plain and simple. This all came out of the competition with the World Food Championship. Competition builds better contests. And this is a great, great idea. Call it what it is, though. It's the KCBS Championship. It is the Barbecue Bowl. Simplify. Take all this invitational crap out of it. The King of the Smokers in California, that's an invitational. The Lamar Johnson Invitational we do here in Ottawa, that's an invitational. This is a qualifier. It's a championship. you got to win to get in, and, and you you got to just let them know what you want. And I don't understand what this application is, but I guess that's just to let them know that you won, they could. They have the results every week on on uh, on their website. They know who won. They know who don't. They could put a stamp on an envelope and say, "Hey, hey, Al's Nest Barbecue, you won last weekend. You're in." It's a great idea. It's going to be a super event, and it is a great, great answer to the World Food Championships that are going to be held in November. I, I love it. Steve, I absolutely love it. Steve, can you confirm that this? contest was born out of competition from world food championships or is that your speculation no that's my it's 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 i don't think it's speculation greg i think that's where it came from i think it's uh, it's obvious where it came from wfc's getting more pressed than they are they, they're the wfc's eating their lunch and they, they had to do something to answer the wfc call of uh you, you know like like what's going on in november they, they they've kicked w they, they took they've kicked kcbs out and they were taking the, the IBCA from Texas, and the, and the uh, WFC is going to have their own rules on their part of the barbecue contest. They had to answer. They had to do something, and, and they've done a great – I think they've had a great idea. Whose ever idea this was, 
is great. Hey, for all we know, it could have been Mike McLeod's idea before he left, or this could be the brainchild of Randall Bowman. Okay, well, I, I believe uh, that it has nothing to do with Mike McLeod. I think the guy's name is Jim Cole, or uh, Cole might be his last name. He's, his name was on the, the press release on the uh, KCBS.us website when it was announced. So I, I, I do believe – now, I don't know if Mike McLeod J- might have – Jason Cole. Jason, Jason Cole, Cole, yeah. So he's the guy putting this together and the one that uh, has uh, – Well, he's a board member. Yeah, he, yeah, he's the board member yeah. from Tennessee. He just won. He just won the uh, the contest here in Tennessee last. Week. All right. So, and he's also the one that decided on where this contest was going to be held. Uh, not being a competitor myself, but following the industry and having had conversations on and off with KCBS through the last ten, twelve years, uh, things that stood out to me are I the for forever the rap has always been that the KCBS is a sanctioning body. We provide sanctioning. We provide rules to follow. We make it so a barbecue competition in California is going to be the same as a barbecue competition in Florida as it is in Boston, Massachusetts. Why are they putting on a barbecue competition? It completely goes against what they have been saying forever and ever. We don't want to put on barbecue competitions we want to sanction barbecue competitions. Secondarily, isn't this the American Royal except in February? If you're talking about invites and opens and all this other stuff, Steve, this is exactly how the American Royal Invitational is. You win a barbecue championship at a contest that's a state qualifier or proclamated by the governor, whatever the hell it is. If you win it, you'll get an invite to the American Royal Invitational. So is that an invitational or is that a qualifier, Steve? That's a qualifier, right? It's a qualifier, right. Okay. But, but Greg, this is, this is a lot it, like, it's like, like the PGA Tour. You, you know, the, the PGA Tour does not have a championship, okay? The closest thing they have is the Players' Championship as far as a major. They don't have a major. The PGA Tour does not have a major. The, the, they, they, they have to have the Players' Championship, which is not a major. They would love to have a major. I think this KCBS is a major. And if it was Jason Cole, sure. Jason Cole, you had a fantastic idea, and it's going to be a big hit, and it's going to continue to grow. Here's, I got Here, two more. Here's the, other, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. This is going to be the inaugural event. Great. <laughs> Great. Good build-up, Steve. Way, way to go, Doug. Good build-up. All right, go ahead again. This is going to be the inaugural event. Go ahead. This, sh- this show is cursed. What's going on tonight? <laughs> that, was a, that was a cliffhanger. The state competition of the NGS. So in order for them to, to get some publicity, they need to uh, do an event themselves. So this is this is going to be their... This is going to be their marquee yeah. steak event. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that is correct. You have to pay an extra $100 in order to partic- participate. I disagree with that. I don't think they're going to have an NGS this year, though. What, what are you I, talking? I, I, no, it's it's part of this event. If you go and look at the application, you can apply for an additional $100 and participate in the state competition. It is this year? They're, they're doing it this year? February. It's at the I mean, February. I know, February right. All right. Yeah, okay. Steve. So this is another reason for them to have the event so that they can run their own first state competition. Steve, I agree with your PGA um, simile, but that's what I don't like about it. When you have the Super Bowl, you know the NFL champs are the winners of the Super Bowl. Or when you have the World Series, you know who the champs are. What if they had four or five Super Bowls all with different divisions <laughs> and you don't know? I mean, it never really differentiates itself from anybody. It's just like they're just having another event for the purpose of crowning our champion. I don't know that it solves anything except makes more money and, like I said, continues to separate people from what I think the purpose of barbecue competitions originally were. Well, that's got to be why they're doing it as well. I mean, if it's going to be a moneymaker, KCBS has to be looking sure. for different revenue streams to be coming in. I mean, you can only qualify 587,000 judges a year and you know bank on that revenue going in when you're uh, losing contests as well. The other two things mm-hmm. that I noticed – you know, in my opinion, as somebody who lives in Cleveland, Ohio, if this event is taking place in February, and as Doug just mentioned when he was up in Montana, bad time of year. I mean, yeah. I, I get that you can't have it later in the year because the established majors are already in play. 
the American Royal Invitational, American Royal Open, uh, the Sam's Club. Wait a second, not the Sam's Club. Uh, the Jack. Uh, att- Houston and by Rodeo. the way, attend yeah, Houston Livestock Rodeo. Attendance in the Northeast, Southeast, and potentially Pacific Northwest, like those places, probably aren't going to be as well represented as it would be if it was mid year. Mm. So a good point. I, I think you have a couple of those issues. And look, I mean, it's never going to be utopia when you're bringing a new barbecue competition into the state of competition barbecue right now. There's never going to be a utopian date. But I don't know if anybody thinks that February, I heard a lot of comparisons getting thrown around to, well, NASCAR has their big Super Bowl right at the top of the season. Well, guess what? This ain't the Daytona 500. I mean, this is competition barbecue. There aren't going to be 500 million people showing up in uh, short shorts and bikinis to go watch a bunch of fat dudes do competition barbecue. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So I I would have liked to have seen a warmer month, but I think I would be not surprised in a year or two if perhaps the date got readjusted at some point. Maybe not the location. Maybe the location as well. But uh, What what is the location? Is it Kansas City, Greg? No. Little Rock, Arkansas. Right. Right. And I did and I did see a few other posts, by the way, that threw out a couple different locations that weren't necessarily that much farther away that would have been a little bit more central by uh people that were way smarter than me. But you know, just again, just from my perspective and an outsider looking at um February seems like not an ideal month, although I understand, you know, you, you gotta gotta get in where you fit in. And then, you know, it, it seems like a KCBS version of I wanna do the American Royal too, but there's already the American Royal. Maybe Maybe it's just a precursor to the American Royal losing favor and will start to trend down. And now KCBS trying to get on board here and and, uh, salvage something or or make something their own that is like the American Royal Invitation. Guys, we are way over. It is past 11 o'clock. I have Steve Ray from Ludawa, Tennessee. Doug Scheiding from Bulverde, Texas. And David Hoff from Bixby slash Tulsa, Oklahoma, just outside of Miami. Gents, always appreciate the time. Happy anniversary, and we'll look for you again next month. That's the Embedded Correspondence, of course. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at my BBQ Central. Come on, you know, guests appear via the Traeger Grills hotline. There you go. Yummy. There you go. Marley giving me an ID. All right. Way behind here, so stick with me. Attention, anyone interested and who loves sausage and barbecue. Who doesn't? Let me talk to you quickly about Southside Market and Barbecue, established in 1882. Southside, the oldest barbecue joint in Texas and has been owned and operated by the same family for three generations. Famous for the original beef sausage, coarse ground in a natural pork casing. The authentic Central Texas barbecue, something that cannot be missed. All meats, including the prime briskets, smoked low and slow from any hours over real Texas post-oak wood. We ship nationwide via the online store, southsidemarket.com. More on that to follow. They ship fresh and smoked sausages nationwide. Shipping customers can choose to order now and ship later. Include a custom gift note. Mail to multiple addresses without additional charges. All shipped items are vacuum sealed to ensure freshness and ease of preparation. Shipped with dry ice to ensure complete freshness upon arrival. All meats processed in the on-site USDA facility. On, uh, on-site meat markets for fresh and smor- uh, smoked products. Custom orders available. Two restaurants, Elgin, Texas. 1882 Bastrop, Texas. 2014. Grocery distribution through Texas, many surrounding states. Here's the deal. If you go to southsidemarket.com and you make an order before you check out, use coupon code BBQ Central. That's one word, BBQ Central. 10% off the coupons or 10% off coupon code for everything you order online. Southsidemarket.com. That's southsidemarket.com. Let's wrap the show. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks. Legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you've found the best Triple X show ever. 
Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpey. All right, this portion of the show brought to you by National Barbecue News, dedicated to all things barbecue. Their goal, to introduce new people to the barbecue world while keeping the barbecue enthusiast and professional informed on all the current happenings in and around Barbecue Nation. They obtain this goal by offering timely news stories, new product reviews, barbecue event calendars, and unique recipes inside their printed products, websites, social media pages, and email newsletters. Subscribe now by visiting barbecuenews.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E news.com. All right, all the way back in the first hour, we talked with Pat LaFrieda. LaFrieda.com, check them out. You're uh, interested in hooking up with some prime steaks and some prime dry age steaks? I suggest you give him a visit because I'm definitely going to be doing that. We'll have him on again, hopefully a little sooner than later. It's Pat LaFrieda. Follow him on Instagram at Pat LaFrieda. Then in the second hour is the embedded correspondence segment proving that the purposeful undercooking of the, I'm sorry, the purposeful undercooking of steak across America is not very accurate on my part. We've proven that over the next two months. Uh, And then we also talked about the new KCBS Invitational set to kick off next February or this coming February, depending on how you like to say. A big show planned for you next week. Stay tuned for that. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American Greg Rempe first saying. Start the game! And secondly, saying good night now.